Hi, I'm Kevin and welcome to episode three of the Delivery Pod, when it's all going to be about cargo barings. Hi everyone, I'm Nicholas. Um, today we're lucky enough to have Nigel Gordon-Stewart in the studio with us. Um, Nigel is the, the chairman, the executive chairman of, of Electric Assisted Vehicles, or what they go by as EVE. Um, Nigel's been in the automotive ex- space for, for 30, 35 years, and so well, he brings a, a wealth of experience of, of comparison between the automotive space and, and cargo bikes. Um, he joined EVE in, in 2018, um, and since then he's been helping steer the company into one of the most important cargo bike makers today. Um, is there anything I, I missed miss there, Nigel? No, not really. I mean, it was it was uh, one of those kind of fortuitous meetings. I'd, I'd worked with um, the father of, of now the founder of, of, of Eve, Adam Barmby. His father, John, uh, and, and I had worked together on a project many, many years ago, would you believe, for the Sultan of Brunei. Okay. Whereas we were, were, at, we were at the time, we were actually putting um, paddle shift gearbox onto, onto his personal Ferrari collection. <laughs> And that was, I mean, that was 25 years ago. And, um, and I happened to walk into to, uh, to, the, to the facility on, an, on another errand, as it were, bumped into him, bumped into Adam. We ended up having a conversation where he said, look, you know, we've got an opportunity with DPD to produce some e-cargo bikes. What do you think? Mm-hmm. And from that came Eve. So that, that's literally how it started. Listeners, you're, uh, you're unlucky that you weren't listening in before we, we kicked off this session. We're hearing all about uh, road trips across the U.S. and... Nigel's fledgling rock career in the 80s. Um, That's very true. A long time ago. But let's, uh, let's keep on topic. And that, yeah. could be, that could be another podcast all That's by yes, itself. Yeah, it could easily be. So just going back and go back to our subjects is we talked a bit about the three pillars of what we're trying to do. One is the changing world of e-commerce and the increasing number of e-commerce deliveries that's being made. Uh, customer expectations. We talk about speed. Um, You'd be pleased to know we're not going to talk about either of those today. We're going to talk about the change in infrastructure and really focusing on cargo bikes. Um, so because we've used cargo bikes quite a lot in this podcast so far, um, perhaps, Nicholas, you can help us understand what a cargo bike actually is. Sure. Um, and Nigel, feel free to, to correct me or, or hop in whenever you want to. Um, last episode, we, we talked a lot with Paul around micro-fulfillment centers and, um, okay. and and why cargo bikes are this kind of natural marriage between the two without really explaining what a cargo bike is. And so starting from the beginning in what is probably excessively simple, um, a cargo bike is any any bicycle that has the ability to carry a lot of volume on it. And so if you go back to the history of bikes, um, you know, Nigel was saying this before the show, you know, ever since people started using bikes, people have been carrying things on bikes. And so by no means is this uh, an entirely new technology. Now, what has changed um, in the past 20 years is the price of batteries has come down 10, 15 fold. And um, electric motors have gone much more efficient. And so what used to be um, either a leisure vehicle or, or a vehicle with a small box in the front that could maybe carry a, a child or two is now becoming a real commercial vehicle that can replace vans. I guess it was it was sort of a, a logical extension, wasn't it, of, of the the arrival of the e-bike, which was primarily a um, you know a leisure vehicle. Yeah, and you know all of a sudden people you know old men like me that used to go out on mountain bikes on Saturdays or, or Sundays couldn't get up hills anymore. Yeah, and all of a sudden we could, which was which was absolutely brilliant. And then somebody obviously made the, the logical connection, and and the next thing you've got an electric motor on a on a vehicle that's ca- capable of carrying weight and over distance as well. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden you've got a very very useful piece of kit. You know, uh, young people like me are also using electric mountain bikes. Yeah. <laughs> big, big fan. Um, I want to bucket the different forms of cargo bikes that oh, exist. Sure. And this is excessively simple. There, there are a lot more than this. But if you start at the smallest, you can put a back box on a, on a num- normal two-wheeled electric bike. Mm-hmm. And that back box will probably max out at 100, 120 liters of volume. Um, I think the, the next category up from that is broadly these kind of medium-sized cargo bikes that, that have... A box on it that's three to seven hundred liters of volume. Now that normally comes in the form factor of a two wheeler, and the box is often in the front. And so, that's kind of the the modern evolution of the traditional Christiania bike, which is you know the the box in the front with someone pedaling in the back. Um, now the the last form factor, and I think what we'll touch on a lot today is this kind of large cargo bike, which is over fifteen hundred liters. It normally has 
three or four wheels. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where that's where the EVE vehicle comes into, right? Um, do you want to talk quickly around just about a brief overview of the EVE form factor? Yeah, I mean, when we when we first started out and we, we kind of looked at this, we'd uh, we were able to get, gain access to information that's provided to us by DPD, obviously mm -hmm. one of the biggest logistics carriers. And they'd done a, a lot of research into the sector because they could see the value and they could see the way that the world was changing and therefore the need for uh, small, lightweight uh, vehicles to actually move product in and, and, and extract uh, waste from, from, from urban environments. So they gave us all the data and we looked at, at everything on, uh, you know, two wheel with extended chassis and, mm -hmm. and we looked at three wheel tricycles. Um, and what we saw was 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 product that essentially had been had started off as a as a pure bicycle, and I'm uncomfortable with the word. You know, we talked earlier about light electric vehicle or, or whatever it happens to be, and actually the the sort of technology and the design, the engineering that's gone into these new vehicles, is actually pretty advanced. And that's not just us; that's our competitors as well, which we'll come on to in a bit. But um, yeah, we we kind of looked at the the, the tricycles and we thought saw they were inherently unstable. We looked mm. at the bicycles and again they were inherently unstable. And we came to the rapid conclusion that what you needed was four wheels, yep. basically the same thing as a van, same thing as most cars. Um, you know, there aren't that many um, sort of uh, I don't know sort of three wheeled cars out there. Uh, most people have kind of worked out, and certainly commercial vehicles. I think there was a Robin Reliant that was was essentially a a small van at some point but uh, but actually having a uh, a four-wheel small van micro van have yep. whatever you want to call it seemed a logical way of going and rather than engineering up from a bicycle and sort of going well okay we'll stick with the wheels and we'll stick with, with whatever it's got we thought let's start with a van and go downwards yep. and that's that's how we engineered the first eve and yep. actually most most people most of our competitors have come the same way okay so for our listeners it's a bike with a box yeah, hmm. it's, a, it's essentially. Oh, I hate. I mean, I hate the terminology, but but yeah, essentially, it's 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 a bike. It's got pedals, so it makes it a bike, um, and it's got a box on the back. And the box that we have is two cubic meters, and our, our new version is just slightly over that, two point one cubic meters, um, which is probably around about a quarter of the of the capacity of maybe a third of the capacity yeah. of a transit, something like that. Yeah, it's about a third of a. Yeah. Transit Which is interesting because, you know, again, coming on to some weird and wonderful facts, when, when you look at a TFL report on, on how much capacity was being carried by most vans in, mm. in the capital, when they did an analysis of various different people who were using it, and, and not just logistics, but this is, this is tradespeople as well, about a third of the van was full. So yep. they were using about two cubic metres of, of space in a transit that was, or, 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 a, or a, a small van or a medium-sized van yeah, that would be going in and out of the city. It's really interesting when you talk about van loads, and we could, yeah. again, and, go in that in a long way. But let's try and, let's try and just keep into this, vehicles This, this will go this on stage. longer than I yeah. Can we Just to stay on the, on the cargo bike, yeah. and you know, you kind of made an interesting point before Okay, it's a, it's a it's a box on wheels. Yep. I think if you were to look at an Eve, most people would say, "Oh, that no, no, that's not a bike." And so, what what yeah. actually makes something a bike is this kind of arbitrary set of legislation that most of Europe abides by. Pedals. And and well, there's also you you can't be more than a meter across. Is that correct? There's a maximum width of about a meter. There are there are varying. I mean, the reason why we're under a meter is because of the fact that most, uh, you know, restricted bollards are, are a meter apart. Yeah. So therefore, we made it fractionally under under yeah. a meter. But actually, in terms of width, there there isn't legislation covering that. Okay, um, and this this will vary on a country by country basis. Yeah. But but broadly speaking, um, there is generally a, kind of a width limitation. There is a a motor capacity limitation where continuous power is capped at two hundred and fifty watts. Yep. Um, and so you can't put a motorcycle motor on there. Um, and generally, there's a there's a speed limit. Um, at least in Europe, where as you approach 25 kilometers an hour, the motor stops helping and it doesn't enable you to go above 25 kilometers an hour. Unless you type approve the vehicle. If you go through a type approval process mm -hmm. and actually submit it to the various different ministries of transport across the EU and enter the UK as well, yeah. then you can exceed that speed. But then, but then you are potentially subject to tr to tr um, uh, number plates and, yeah. and yeah, all yeah, kinds yeah. of other legislation. This is know, to keep support. it as a as a as a pure simple bicycle. And we'll talk about the benefits of a bicycle versus a vehicle mm -hmm. later. Okay. The last thing I want to touch on before we move on to to kind of the, the broader benefits of cargo bikes is Nigel Nigel's naturally biased towards four wheelers, and um, we're we're very excited yeah. about the the four wheeler form factor. It makes a lot of sense now to play devil's advocate or just to to play the other side of that. <clears throat> The, the limitation of a four-wheeler is it does behave more like a car. It is slightly wider. It, it, it is does. slightly less nimble. And so if you were to take a small 
two-wheeler with a box in the front. It's narrower. It's uh, more able to weave. It can probably fit into more um, bike lanes and around cars a little bit more. And so as we think about these different form factors, there's constant give and take as you're choosing. Naturally, the larger vehicle you choose, the less nimble it is and, and vice versa. I think if you talk to three-wheelers as well, the, the the benefits that you might hear them preach, um, at least for the kind of the conventional three wheelers with a, with a fixed mm. front wheel, yeah. um, is is cost. Um, they're often selling in in a price range that's let's say five to seven thousand euros. Um, and then on the flip side, you also have three wheelers who have a a, a leaning front, which yeah. enables you to to corner a little bit more quickly. Now, each of these technologies have have pros and cons. Nigel's going to, I think, talk about the pros of four-wheelers a lot. And so I'll take it upon myself to, to, to counterbalance that with the, the benefits of two- and three-wheelers throughout this episode. Right. Thanks for that, Nicholas. Thanks, <laughs> Nigel. I mean, it, it, interesting in the title, isn't it, Cargo Bikes? Because you talked about delivery. Um, Nigel, you're talking about delivery and replacing vans. So perhaps if we can just move on, Nigel, to the benefit of a cargo bike via van. Um, and the traditional distribution and where that really adds value? I think the, okay, so, so the, the, as I say, the original approach to us was, was from a, a logistics company. Um, they wanted to develop something that was um, going to be usable well into the future in, in, in terms of the way that things are, are, are changing within the urban environment. So we have multiple ULEZs, ZEZs in certain, in certain towns and cities. Um, and and equally, you know, congestion is is becoming a, a or, or has become a, a fairly major problem. Um, so and, and and all these things are, are, are contrary to efficiency mm-hmm. and, and make it very difficult to move things around. So the idea was, you know, how how do you find something that's capable of moving a reasonable amount of product, either to to bring it into a and move it around a, a, an urban environment. Or in the case of some of the people that we've actually provided vehicles to, uh, Westminster City Council being one, is Islington, Hackney and others, uh, removing waste from the, the, the city centre as well. Um, and actually, the, the, the cargo bike lends itself to that incredibly well. It's an extraordinarily efficient piece of kit. Um, it's relatively inexpensive in, 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 in general terms. Um, it can use areas that, through legislation that mm-hmm. other vehicles can't use. Um, you know, bicycle lanes and bus lanes and various other bits and pieces. Um, and, and it actually makes it a very efficient form of, of, of transportation. It's, it, it, the, 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 calling it a bike is actually a bit of a cheat because it's, it's, only, got, it, it's only a bike because it's got pedals. Yeah. You know, technically, if you took the pedals away, um, it wouldn't conform with legislation. So the pedals are there really just to provide information to the motor to let, them, let the vehicle know that it needs to actually respond. So you're saying 100% of, of, of the power is coming from the motor? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you, you, yeah, you, sh- you shouldn't be pedaling an e-cargo bike. Mm-hmm. If you are, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> so, and, and actually making life hard for yourself. So, so actually, it's, it's, it, it's kind of very interesting. And, and I equate it to, and Kevin will be able to, remember this I'm, I'm afraid you won't Nicholas I apologize for that but you know back in the day there was a, a, a legislation for mopeds yeah and they had to have pedals 50 49 cc it had to be under 50, 50 cc whatever it was and they had to have pedals and that was a, a prerequisite and uh, you, you know and, and after a while everyone kind of looked at the legislation and went well that's just pointless mm-hmm. and the pedals disappeared and they had foot pegs and that just became a moped and I have a feeling a very strong feeling that that ultimately will be the final uh, development of effectively of, of cargo bikes is they won't need the pedals anymore because you know they, 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 as i say they're there to provide a signal to the motor to be used but yeah. they are not there to provide power for the vehicle and there are four-wheeler makers that are currently doing kind of a, a mo bike um, a motorbike approach to to cargo bikes as well a sort of series hybrid or, or uh, no uh, as in no pedals at all no pedals at all um like a Scubic or a, yeah. a Paxton or something. Oh, Paxton, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And and effectively, then you've got a vehicle which requires uh, to fit under the normal re- uh, registra- uh, legislation, effectively. So yeah. so that has to be MOT a- approved. It has to be uh, taxed. It has to be registered. It has to have a number plate. And yeah. It has to have safety belts and you know crash structures and all those kind of other bits and pieces. So all of a sudden, you start to to bring into to to that sector, a very different set of regulations. Yeah. And so to- what, what about the benefits, though, guys? You know, I, I'm understanding all of the technical aspects. Yeah. But what about the benefits? Why go to a cargo bike? Yeah, let me mirror back some of what Nigel was just saying. You talk about efficiency, which is a, a pretty mm-hmm. broad category. I think 
that efficiency, you can really break it down into, into two categories. Um, one is kind of um, operations efficiency or, or speed, basically. Mm -hmm. And the other is, is cost efficiency. Yep. And so on the speed side, you have a vehicle that can use um, alternative infrastructure, so mm -hmm. bus lanes and bike lanes, um, that can park more freely, yep. um, which is a huge pain point for logistics providers, which is really the focus of this podcast, even though there are other use cases for cargo bikes, um, and that can um, weave between traffic in, in a very congested city. Mm -hmm. uh, and so those are the, the main three kind of speed elements, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, to the, to the extent that we, we're, we're actually trialing at the moment a paramedic yeah. um, version, which you're, you're aware of. Yeah. And, um, and that specifically is because of the fact that, that the London Ambulance Brigade believe that they can actually get a vehicle to somebody, Category 2, which they call, with, I think, which is, you know, um, something has to be there within 14 minutes or something. Yeah. They believe that a cargo bike can get there quicker than, um, you know, than, than a conventional ambulance. Yeah. So is one of the things parking, though, for speed because if I'm driving a van in London mm -hmm. trying to find somewhere to park is quite difficult it's quite extremely difficult I mean hence the reason why the congestion is because of the fact that you know it's actually creating a backlog of, of, of vehicles trying to move past vehicles that are that are parked albeit very briefly if they're especially if they're doing you know logistics deliveries people believe that you know if, if they you know double park hop out mm -hmm. go and make a delivery whatever it happens to be but even then you know a normal sized van is going to create instant congestion because of that yeah I, I used to live in new york and um you know ups and fedex would routinely rack up fines of millions and millions of dollars every year because they were double parking because the the system was so fundamentally broken they could never find parking and so that was just part of the the yeah. standard operating procedure um and that was considered you know operational costs that yeah. wasn't that wasn't one off uh, and and so it's definitely uh, it's a speed element, yeah. um, but it's also the second part of the efficiency kind of calculation that you were saying, which is which is cost. Um, you know, they're paying huge amounts of fines um, to to operate vans, and in comparison, a cargo bike can at this point basically park anywhere. Is that right? Yeah, it can. I mean, uh, the, Kevin, you're probably the best person to answer this, to be honest with you, because you're operating yeah. a fleet of the things. So, mm -hmm. so I mean, you, one of your objectives is to, is to get the, the the you know the cost per drop down to considerably less than it is with a van. Yes, I think, um, you know, that's why I think service time in logistics is the important part. Yeah. The service time being when you stop to when you give the goods to the consumer mm -hmm. and then back on the bike. So, yes, it, we are already seeing that benefit. Yeah. And I think that's a big part of speed. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's basically a drops per hour metric that you're, that you're using, right? Yeah, stops per hour. Okay. But I think also, I mean, we have to consider, obviously, you know, future legislation in terms of... of um, you know, ultra low emission zones and zero emission zones, and the congestion that that is forever increasing. If if you if your your objective from an environmental perspective is just to have clean air, yeah, then that's that's fine. What you're just going to have is silent traffic jams. You're going to have lots and lots of electric cars all still you know jammed up and not being able to go anywhere. And and again, that's going to improve the 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 efficiency of of, of e cargo bikes because they can still be able to move through the traffic a lot more a lot more freely and a lot more quickly. Yeah, than than any electric van will be able to. Yeah, and so let's let's try to put some numbers to that to that speed element. Um, I think the number that we referenced last episode that we've read in some University of Westminster reports is that a cargo bike can do about one point six times the deliveries per hour that a van can. Now, I, I think the math is a little bit inconsistent in these analyses because it depends a lot on where you're operating. Right? Mm -hmm. Are you in Hackney, London? which is mostly low traffic neighborhoods, which is very dense, which has, um, you know, a lot of people buying things online, or are you in the suburbs um, where it's impossible? And so th there's a bit of inconsistency around, around this analysis of speed, but broadly speaking, I think because of congestion, because of the ability to use alternative infrastructure and because of parking, cargo bikes are much, much faster than, um, than vans in, in city centers. You know, I, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. And so when I see cargo bike operators in cities, when I'm biking around, I always stop and chat with them. Mm -hmm. And um, invariably, it's kind of the same response. I was in, in Paris a few weeks ago, and I stopped a guy who had a trailer behind. And he said, at first, um, his logistics company kind of pushed a, a cargo bike on him. And he's like, what is this? I'm going to be exposed to the rain. Why are we doing this? And then, um, you know, two weeks later, he's like, I would never go back to a van. I can do my whole shift in two hours shorter, and I, I go back home sooner. And so the, uh, efficiency is, uh, is, is a big part of this. Now, the second part is, is cost. Um, and um, I think you touched on uh, a 
we touched on parking before. And so that's obviously part of the cost equation. Um, you touched on ultra low emission zones. Mm -hmm. And so increasingly, not just in London, but in European cities and w cities across the world, there are congestion taxes or uh, emission taxes um, that make it costly to drive into, into city center. And so I think London, as an example, has a ultra low emission zone, which is what, 12 and a half pounds, and then a congestion yeah. zone, which is 15 pounds. Yeah. And so if you're not within those... Um, those parameters, you're spending 27 and a half pounds a day to drive into city centers, which is just, it's, it's impossibly uneconomic. The last element that we haven't touched on yet is, is fuel costs. Um, and this will differ if you're talking about a, a ice van or an electric van. Um, but all things considered, I think the fuel cost for a cargo bike is, is are, are basically neg negligible yeah, compared to what you yeah. pay for a van. Yeah. And, and equally, you don't have the issue of infrastructure. You don't have to go searching for a charge point. Yeah. Or alternatively, if you've got a depot, you don't have to suddenly have a whole lot of works done to get three-phase and you know, multiple three-phase put into that. Yeah into those sort of facilities. And, and you know, a lot of electricity substations that are operated by the national grid are not geared for, you know, significant upgrade to mm -hmm. providing that sort of service. So what then happens is that they look for, uh, you know, companies to potentially help fund upgrades to, to substations, which could be somewhere, you know, between a quarter and a third of a million pounds. Yeah. So, so actually, you know, moving across to all electric sounds like a wonderful utopian solution, but it isn't. I think ultimately what, what we're going to end up with, and e-cargo bikes are going to play a huge part of this, mm -hmm. um, we're going to have various different types of vehicles that are going to be operating within, within towns and, and, and cities. Yeah. Um, but I think you know, the, the e-cargo will be a very significant part of it. They will be, I believe, they're going to be thousands of them. Without mm. a doubt. And so we are supportive yeah. of the transition to electric bands, but it's not the, the entirety of, of the solution. It's a, it's a portion of the solution. And yeah, you're saying and a big reason for that is the, the change in infrastructure required is, 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 first of all, not happening, but also probably underestimated. Yeah, but also let's, let's go back to that original point about, you know, um, you know some, some vans only having 30% of, of, of their, mm. their, 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 their utilization of the, of the space in the back of the vehicle. The, you, you, it comes to a point where, you know, there have to be trade-offs. Yeah. You know, and if we're going to, to be able to live in cities, which are going to get a, a lot more inhabitants because of increasing population, mm -hmm. um, and we're still going to be able to move things around, you have to use the right tool for the job. And if you're using a vehicle that's 30% full and, and, and effectively using that, it would be easier to use a vehicle that's you know quarter the size or, or whatever it happens to be and move the same amount of goods around, but move it around more efficiently. It's a really interesting point, that because when you think about your cargo space and you are out delivering, you are diminishing your load as you go through your yeah. route. Yeah. So typically vans would do eight to 10 hours of work. So that means at point five hours, it must be 50% empty. Yeah. Mm. But then you're into mobile hub and spoke, aren't you? Yes, you are. And Which uh, gets that, really that's an all new episode. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so I, I get the idea, and I think people are starting to get a picture of... of a cargo vehicle, yeah, yeah, a light electric mm -hmm. vehicle, low on emissions, low on congestion, mm. but low on space in the way that it, it yeah. occupies it. But seems that's to me seems a little bit of a no-brainer. A no-brainer being, you know, this is just simple. Well, why aren't why aren't there more cargo bikes on the road today? You know, what's what's causing it? So I had a quick look, and and I always use this one because in terms of number of vans. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and there's well-published data out there to say how many vans there are. 4.6 million yeah. vans, What's light goods vehicles in the UK. In the UK. Okay. You know, that's a significant number of which 736,000 are out delivering. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so a, a lot of vans aren't actually used for delivery, mm -hmm. um, which is a whole raft of things. But because this is a delivery pod, I wanted to, mm. to sort of concentrate mm. on that. So I've got 736,000 vans delivering. Mm -hmm. mm. How many cargo bikes have we got, and, and why aren't they going faster? Nigel, that's a nice big term for you. It's yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a it's a very interesting number. Um, it's um, and it, yeah, and, and as you say, that's that's purely the, the the logistic side of things. And if you if you expand it out and actually start using it into into other sectors, that's yeah. 
It's, 50, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very big number. Fifty percent of all vans are used by the building trade. Uh, we we mm. we probably got there, there's there's enough for an entire separate episode of this, which is to do with human behaviour and, and 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 the reluctance of people to change. Um, you know, we're all very used to to what we have, and 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 actually the, the various different things that we we talked about earlier, mm. uh, things like the pandemic, have influenced consumer behaviour very significantly, um, and 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 therefore I think up until this point. People haven't realised potentially the value of e-cargo, but it's without a shadow of a doubt it is increasing, and it is in- increasing exponentially. So, how many, you know, we, we, how many how many bikes are out there today? How many bikes have Eve produced? Right. Okay. So, so when we first started out with our good friends at DPD, we produced ten, yeah. and we delivered them, and they went, oh, "Okay, that's great, thanks." We we wanted them, and they didn't really use them. Mm. They, it was it was kind of like you know, who do we persuade to actually use these things rather than drive their nice comfortable vans and they can stop at ten thirty and listen to Popmaster or not anymore? Unfortunately, poor old Ken Bruce. Yep. Um, uh, well, not poor old. He's, oh, no? he's moved on. He's moved on. <laughs> Just comes home and do something else. Um, but look, I, the um, and and actually adoption at that time was very low. And actually, you know, we had. I mean, you know, Leo Bethel. He, yep. He's he's in, our, our sort of head, head of sales, um, you know, he was out there speaking to lots of people and it was very hard to convert people. And what's happening now is, is I go out and speak to lots of customers and people are buying more and more. So we, we have, we've got about 200 and something bikes now running around London. Mm. Um, and by the end of this year, and just London alone, let's look at London specifically mm. because it's just nice and easy and we all work there. Um, we'll probably have something in the region of about 500, maybe six, oh, 700 bikes okay. running around in London. And, you know, for me, that's the key thing. Because I know you're going to refer to novelty value, which is which is something that I find very painful. That we look, we're kind of looked on a sort of cutesy type thing that's running around and 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 actually isn't taken particularly seriously. Mm. But the more bikes that are going to be on the road making deliveries, whether they're two wheelers or three wheelers or four wheelers, whatever it happens to be, you know, we get we're going to get to a, a kind of you know inflection point where all of a sudden people are going to go, oh, that's normal. Mm. That's actually much easier than, and, and obviously it's efficient because it's working because there's loads of them. Yeah, and that's really where we, I guess we're going. And Nicholas, you must have an insight into the amount of cargo bikes around the world, really. Yeah, I, I think we tend to um, focus on London because we're all, we're all based in London. Yeah. Um, but in some places, that that kind of fulcrum moment you're talking about has already happened. Mm. And so, you know, Deutsche Post in Germany uses thousands of cargo bikes that they produce themselves. And these are simpler versions with a small box on the back. This is not yeah. akin to an Eve. Or, I mean, Amsterdam, I think four or five years ago, was a kind of conventional model where most deliveries were done by van. These days, the majority of deliveries are being done by, by cargo bikes. And so... London, but, are, but are they cargo bikes in this situation or are they, are, are they kind of bicycles with... I mean, they're normal frame bicycles that have got, you know, I don't know, a, a bigger sort of basket on retaining mm. thing on the front and maybe panniers on the back or whatever. Because for me, that's not a. It may be electrically powered, but that's mm. less of a cargo bike than what we're talking about. Yeah, I guess it depends how you how you define it. I think going back to the beginning of the episode, it's you know it's it's within that that width requirement. It's within the motor requirement. Yeah. It's and so to me, that's a cargo bike. Anything that is considered a bicycle that is carrying volume is is a cargo bike. Um, and so you know. In some places, we're we're seeing it scaled, and I think you know one of the the reason we got here is you're asking, okay, wh- why haven't we seen more of it? Mm-hmm. And I think a, a big reason of that is infrastructure. And so the cities I just mentioned, you know, Munich and Berlin and Amsterdam and Copenhagen, a lot of these cities are much more forward thinking when it comes to infrastructure for bikes, and much more punishing towards vans and, and, and vehicles. Agreed. And so it makes sense that the adoption happens there faster. And so that's that's probably one of the big reasons. You come from the automotive space. You know that when you buy a car, you have a plethora of options for how to finance this thing. You have a plethora of options for how to service this thing. Um, It's been produced for 100 years now, and so the supply chain is – lately it's been a bit rocky, but normally it's very smooth and this thing lasts forever. Ultimately, this is a new asset class, and so it's difficult to find financing. It's difficult to find servicing partners. Um, it's um, you know a new supply chain for a lot of your parts, and so it's it's natural that upfront there's some kind of rocky elements. And so I think those are the main barriers today to to, to cargo bike deployment. I think it has been. Yeah, I think it has been without a shadow of a doubt, and certainly in terms of supply chain, again driven a lot by the by the pandemic and, mm. and the issue of cost of, of transportation, which has gone up. You know, immeasurably in mm. terms of just shipping a container is now ten times what it used to be if you're shipping it across from the Far East. But actually, if you look at things like financing and servicing, mm. 
critical, critical things if you are operating a commercial vehicle. And you know, and I and, and I always refer to to Elon Musk's comment when he was asked when he was originally interviewed. Said, you know, are you going to produce a commercial vehicle? This is before he came out with the with the um, with the big. Um, the semi, uh, the semi, mm. or semi, semi, whichever, however you want to understand it, it did, it does. Um, you know, and he said, "No, I don't want to get involved in that." You know, there's a very good reason, and that is that that you know, if you come out of uh, of your home and you get into your car in the morning, and for whatever reason it's a problem, ah, never mind. You know, I'll get on the bus or I'll, I'll go to yeah. work some other some other way, or I'll work from home. But if that vehicle is your way of generating your income. It cannot not work yeah. because that's a major problem. So, yeah, a lot of people, um, especially talking to us about buying eaves, will turn around and say, what about servicing? How do we cover that side of things? We are now finding a number of partners, mm. including one that's <laughs> not sitting a million miles from me, um, you know, to work with in terms of servicing and and and, and being able to provide that, that kind of, um, you know, support for, for businesses operating e-cargo vehicles. Absolutely critical. Uh, and this is something you've also experienced as well, I know, Kevin. Um, and then the financing side of it, yes, new asset class. Mm. But all of a sudden, we've got finance companies now going, hang on a second, this is actually gaining momentum. It's really interesting. And it's all down to putting a residual, a residual value on something. So yeah. you can actually be, be able to provide somebody with a vehicle at a sensible price. You know, and, and most people want to have it as a monthly cost as opposed to a, you know, a big capital outlay. CapEx is not a particularly attractive thing. Um, you know, if you can OPEX it and basically pay it over a period of time, much better. Yeah, I'm still, I still struggling <laughs> a little bit, guys, and you need to help me. Go on. And, and the listeners, in terms of adoption, when we, when we look at adoption of cargo bikes, and I, I mm. get in some cities, it's, is it just the city infrastructure or is, it, is there something underlying this that means that cargo bikes are still a novelty or they are still seen well, as quirky but not actually commercially um, commercially viable yeah, well, I, mean, I mean that's you, you've already highlighted the numbers i mean you, you know 700 mm. odd thousand vans out there doing deliveries mm. and and i don't know how many how many cargo take take the amount that we've produced i mean 300 yeah. bikes that we produce if you then go out and look at how many other bikes have you know, urban arrows mm. and, and others that are out there running and doing that sort of work it's a fraction it's a it's, you know it's not even one percent probably mm. of that of that sort of volume yeah so, so, so yes, it's it's going to be reviewed as a. It's still going to be seen as a bit of a novelty. Yeah, and it has to prove itself. You know, everybody that we speak to about potentially buying one of our vehicles turns around and says, "Can we do a POC? Can we have a can we have a trial process? We mm -hmm. need to go through a process to actually validate whether this thing is capable of of delivering what what we wanted to deliver." Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're you're asking for one more reason as to. And this goes back to the last episode is that, you know, cargo bikes and microfilament centers go hand in hand. One of the limitations of a cargo bike, unless you alter it in some way, it cannot go above 25 kilometers an hour. Mm -hmm. And so we have a logistics system that's historically had fulfillment centers on the outskirts of the city, which they take, need to take a highway into the city and then do, do drop offs from there. That's not a, you can't just switch out a cargo bike for a van in that scenario. You're no. also, you're also no. switching out a system where you're, you're changing your fulfillment model to include some sort of fulfillment in the urban core itself. And so those two things need to happen in tandem. Mm -hmm. Now we're confident that when they're done in tandem, this is faster and more traceable and more efficient and more sustainable. But it's a, it's a big change for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, Nigel, I know um, there are a lot of other use cases for cargo bikes. The, the focus on this episode is, uh, sure. on, on this show, is largely delivery. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I bring it up. But it's, it's this kind of this this step change in, um, in the way the system works. And so we're seeing different people adopt it at, at different speeds. Um, you know, some of the legacy logistics players, um, not to name names, but are cautiously dipping their toe in the water. And they're doing pilots and, and they're, they're, they're scaling yeah. at their own rate. Some other big players have come out and said, you know, we're scaling across Europe with this. It's happening really fast. We're going to do it. Um, but a lot of the innovation that we're seeing is from startups that are seeing that there is a need, um, you know, the delivery mates is very much one of these, where they're seeing there's a need for faster urban logistics and they're just focusing on that last mile part. Um, and those are a lot of the early adopters. These are the risk takers. But the great thing is you're, you're, you're into all kinds of areas of, of company culture then, aren't you? There, if, if you have a startup 
the culture is what you want it to be from the very beginning. Yeah. You know, if 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 you're a, a fleet manager who's who's taken over a job at a big logistics company, you've got this enormous kind of super tanker of of of, of kind of culp- company culture mm-hmm. that then you have to if you want to change it, you you've got to slow it down. And the process of slowing one of those things down takes a long time. Yeah. And that's you know that's another reason why in in terms of people sort of a greater level of adoption. With with some of these, as you say, these these big logistics companies, it's taking mm-hmm. them a long time to affect change within the organisation, regardless of what the data is. You know, you could go to to the board and go, "Hey, look, I've got this amazing bit of data mm-hmm. that says that you know we're much more efficient. It's quicker. It's this. It's that. It's the other." And everyone goes, "Okay, fair enough. Let's have, let's, have, let's have a think about it. Let's let's run a trial. Let's run another trial. Let's let's do a third one just to be absolutely sure." Just takes time. It's also a change in um, in labour model. Hugely. I mean, sure. one, one benefit we didn't touch on super clearly when you first asked the question, like, what are the benefits here is um, someone operating a cargo bike can be 16, doesn't need a driver's license. Mm-hmm. Um, you largely don't need to insure this thing. And so a lot of the, the legislation around having a, a registered vehicle does not apply to, to cargo bikes. And so... I'll, I'll, I'll pull you up a little bit on the insurance. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we, we, are, we are very, very um, specific in terms of conversations with potential buyers that, that insurance is something they need, both for the contents of the, of the vehicle themselves, because obviously, you know, the, uh, you know, if they're delivering packages, I don't know what, what the value is, but obviously mm. it could be fairly significant. And equally, you know, these are still vehicles. And it, this is where you get the interesting bit between a bicycle you know, a, a relatively small bicycle with a kind of, you know, sort of rack on mm. the front or whatever, and you kind of cycle around delivering bread. Um, and then you've got, you know, an e-cargo bike, which potentially could be anything from, well, I mean, half a ton up to, you know, 850 kgs. That's a vehicle. Yeah. That's a proper vehicle. And ultimately can damage something as much as it can be damaged. Mm. So therefore the insurance side of things is critical. And, and this is where you start to get this weird crossover into automotive, mm. which is definitely the way it's going. Mm. Yeah, I think you make a really interesting point about logistics and why they won't move. And, and you know, as a business and if we've got assets tied up on five-year leases and I've got yeah. an infrastructure of out-of-town out of depots and, and yeah. it's all working relatively well, mm. Why would I change? Mm-hmm. You know, why, how can I change? Because I've got, by definition, probably 20 cents of my fleet mm-hmm. being changed every year, but I'm, I can't change that in isolation because I need to change to micro-fulfillment centers, yeah. micro-orbs, all those things we talked about before. And I think those are, it's probably, those are intermingled. Um, not with legis- it's not going to work without legislation. Yep. Yep. And so that's why we've got eight episodes of this thing to, <laughs> to go through. Abs- and in isolation, you can't yeah. do that. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. without a doubt. Because, yeah. the, you know, we, and I won't, again, not naming names, but, um, uh, you know, we've spoken to uh, a number of major logistics companies who've looked at e-cargo bikes and go, we love this, this is great, this is a great solution. However, we've got an entire back section of the business in terms of everything else that operates you know our entire operating process that we need to kind of revise in order to adapt it to be able to use these sort of vehicles and then they go well hang on a second is something going to change is something else going to change is there going to be another change in legislation all of a sudden is the government going to go ah don't worry about internal combustion engines we'll let them run forever Mm -hmm. or somebody you know invents the sort of the inverse of kryptonite for cars and all of a sudden they've got a solution which will which will allow people to carry on using internal combustion engines for forever so there's there's to, to a certain extent there's a little bit of trepidation in terms of you know do i take do this big step yeah um or is it a big step um you know to start using cargo bikes or do we kind of wait and see what happens there's a little bit of wait and see i think probably wait and see is the problem then it is, I think it's definitely part mm. of the problem for sure but how long can they wait and see i mean going back to the narrative that we like to hammer on in, in, in this series is there there are three things that are happening more and more packages going into our cities mm-hmm. faster delivery expectations and the inability to you know the legislation you touched on but the inability to use vans in city centers and so you can wait and see but then suddenly you know in three years time you're you're four years out from not being able to buy ice vehicles in the uk anymore um suddenly the congestion zone has expanded out and so there, there's a there's a limit to how long you can wait and see yeah. So there's, there's two two things from a data point of view I think are, are worthwhile examples. One is we have a customer that it's took nine months to get to the cost per shipment mm-hmm. unit mm-hmm. that they want to get to. Mm-hmm. We have another customer that we're talking about adoption, and they've they've been a piloter. 
for a while um, and said, well, how could you help us with this? How can you do this? The single biggest focus is I need my cost per shipment from day one to be the same as on a van. Yeah. So those conflicting priorities are the ones that perhaps are holding us back as well. And, mm. and we need the suit. It's an economy of scale, isn't it? You've been in automotive manufacturing, you know, you build materials costs come down, you build your assembly costs come down if you do volume. Yeah. That's why an Austin Martin costs a little bit more than a, than a um, VW. Yeah. And yeah, the interesting point about that is that, that actually one of the things that you're not considering at all in that conversation is the environment, which which mm. is supposed to be kind of key to this. But actually, you know, we always end up going back to the to the original part of it, which is, you know, how do I make this cost effective? How do, how do I make it cheaper to use e-cargo bikes than it is using vans? Oh, and by the way, the environmental benefits from it is just going to be like a sidebar. It's kind of like, oh, it's kind of a useful thing. Look at us, you know, we're reducing our carbon output. But actually, it's cheaper and we're making more money on the bottom line. Number five on the procurement list. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's that's a big worry to me because, you know, the the, the uh, you know the, the, the banning of the sales of internal combustion engine vehicles, whether it's diesel or petrol, it's being done for a reason. It's not being done just because of the fact that somebody wants to be bloody minded within various different governments throughout the world. Mm. It's being done because of the fact that actually... From a from a from an environmental point of view, we are in a bit of a catastrophe, but nobody seems to want to admit it. To do the right thing, it's bizarre. So, some really interesting pieces. I'm understanding yeah. what a cargo bike is, and thank you for going through those. I understand some of the limitations, but also some of the benefits of that. Um, the barriers, I think, are interlinked with other things, Nicholas, that we've been talking Absolutely. about some more, and. and and clearly no one of these things in isolation are going to make that change. Mm -hmm. um, it's a holistic solution required, isn't it? Um, yeah. Literally the whole, I mean, the whole thing. Someone, someone one day has got to wake up and resolve the whole thing. Mm. And <laughs> We're working towards that. <laughs> well, that's the reason why um, we're doing these things. But. Hopefully, the more we talk about this and the, and the, the oh, more sure. people are on, yeah. educate themselves and understand those. So we know the productivity can be right. Mm -hmm because it's proven. Mm. We know the environmental benefits are right. We know cities are changing, and mm -hmm. therefore we need to, need to adapt to that. If you, you know, in your top three things that you want to change, Nigel, being a manufacturer of cargo bikes, what are those three things that you think need to be adopted quicker in order to get cargo bikes to become the norm? Um, from 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 our side of things, what what we see is is impending legislation is mm. is without a shadow of a doubt the thing that's going to drive it. Could that um, could that move it backwards? No, I don't think it can. I, th I, th I think the I think the interesting side of it is that if if you overcome this sort of cultural resistance to to um, um, to a certain extent being seen to be techni technically downgrading from something which is a you know a van or a car and start to use something which isn't as technically sophisticated or perceived to be technically sophisticated because it's got the bike attachment to it mm. as a term. Um, you know, I think that once you kind of smash through that to a certain extent, it, it makes it so much easier. And I think that, that the um, if, if legislation is introduced, which, which it is being in 2030 and 2035, certainly in the UK and 2035 in Europe, um, you know, to remove internal combustion engines, knowing full well that the, the charging infrastructure to support commercial vehicles charging is just not going to be there in that period of time. There's almost no option. And to a certain extent, it's kind of, if there's, if there's no option and you're kind of forced to use e-cargo bikes, relatively quickly you'll go, well, hang on a second, that works. This is actually a really efficient solution and I'm making more money and, you know, you know I've, got, I've got riders or drivers out there who are very happy using these things. They're really enjoying the process, like your guy in Paris, for example. Yeah. You know, it, all of a sudden it's kind of enforced common sense. I'm not entirely sure that's something that exists, but it mm. wouldn't be a bad thing if it was. So that sounds like more and more education. More, more, yeah, education. Again, these are these these sort of yeah, things that okay. you're doing here are absolutely fantastic. But it equally, it's 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 influencing at the highest possible level within government is really important. Education, all level. education again. You were you were touching on um, automotive legislation. You know, 2030, 2035 mm. for the banning of vice vehicles. Um, is there any uh, cargo bike specific legislation coming down the the funnel that we should be looking towards in the next two years? Uh, not. I mean, the, the you know the Dutch have, have laid out a, a set of uh, regulations which they're very positive about, and obviously mm. they've 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 been very, uh, very much at the forefront of of um, uh, of, of cycle. Um, 
legislation uh, throughout the whole of Europe. Uh, having, even though we've detached ourselves from Europe, which let's not make any comments about that. Um, but I mean, we're, we're still following, obviously, because it would make no sense not to. We're still following essentially sort of EU regulations and development of those. Um, so that's kind of interesting following that. And, and the, you know, the Dutch uh, proposals that have been put forward are very interesting. They make a lot of sense. Mm. Um, it is moving towards a little bit more towards an automotive adoption of it. So there would be requirement for registration numbers that would be required for insurance. And, mm -hmm. you know, potentially you're looking at a license to operate one of these things. Okay, that, that and what's, I, the, what's the time frame on if you if you had a guess, what's the time frame on those kinds of requirements? Two to three years, probably. Gotcha. Uh, and then you've got the Swiss, for example, who turn around very logically and say, do you know something? If you're going to operate these these sort of vehicles and they're going to carry that sort of weight, they really should have an ABS facility on mm -hmm. them so that, you know, they, they, that they're more in line with an automotive product. We at EVE anticipated that. So we're we're already in in development with an ABS system on the vehicle as well, yeah. uh, and we test it in a very automotive way. So you know, from a legislation perspective, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that things are going to change. But what's really interesting is that the fundamental part of operating an e-cargo bike makes sense. It, yeah. There is nothing that doesn't make sense about it. Yeah, you know, the 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 only anti is the cultural adoption of something different to what people have previously been using and the fact that people are going to have to change their operating procedures when companies to actually use these vehicles especially within the logistics side of things mm -hmm. but it but it opens up huge amounts of opportunity it should be seen as an opportunity as, as opposed to anything else yeah mm -hmm. um you're asking about you know what we expect uh, to change that will facilitate the rollout of, mm -hmm. of cargo bikes at scale now this is going to sound a little bit self-serving i, I before I mentioned that, you know, servicing and financing and a third one I didn't really touch on is, is software. If you're a fleet operator for in the tra traditional logistics space and you manage 60,000 fleets, there's a plethora of, um, of uh, fleet management tools out there that exist that work really well for vans. That doesn't really exist in the in the micromobility space. That doesn't really exist for for light electric vehicles, and so that's that's a portion of something that's lacking in this ecosystem. Um, but basically, I think. The reinforcement of the, the the hardware is fantastic, and you know Nigel is is part of one of the companies that's producing really fantastic hardware, and that's coming along nicely. Now you need this whole ecosystem to facilitate that the rollout of that hardware, and quite frankly, that's something that, that Zoom was working on quite quite seriously. Now it's mm -hmm. it's 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 mirroring what we've done for two wheelers with with cargo bikes, and so that's um, can you service them? Especially you know you mentioned this at the beginning. If this is your your your, your business, you're not going to accept you know a vehicle being broken down 40% of the time. You need no. quick response and you need immediate servicing. Um, equally, it's it's tough to to spend a million pounds out of pocket if you want to buy a fleet of these things, and so you need financing capabilities. And lastly, if you want to operate a thousand fifteen hundred EVs, you want a fleet management software that that can manage that. And so we're going to need reinforcements of these kind of auxiliary needs around the hardware itself to, to really enable the rollout of this of these things but that software is, is is getting up to speed rapidly i mean i know that obviously delivery mates are operating a software system which is giving them a lot of data mm. because obviously you know requiring that data not just fleet management but also to provide to customers to actually substantiate the value of making the change i mean that that data is absolutely invaluable it's worth well, it's worth the value of the contract if you think about it. It's worth mm. an absolute fortune, um, and you know from from uh, from Zumo's perspective, in terms of actually providing service and backup on that side mm. of things, that's absolutely critical because you're absolutely right. The vehicles can't be off the road. Mm -hmm. If they're off the road, they're not earning money. If they're not earning money, they are costing money. It's a bit like an aircraft. The last thing you want, I, the last, I, I never really understood this, but the last place you want to see an aircraft is on the ground yeah. because it isn't making money on the ground. It needs to be in the air. Mm. And it's the same with commercial vehicles. They need to be out earning money as opposed to sitting there either broken down or whatever it happens to be. But, you know, that, that side of things I think is improving very rapidly. Mm. Uh, and, and, and the support services and the, the data that's being provided through software systems in order to, to operate them and to service them and what have you is critical. Yeah. You mentioned, um, sorry, if I may, yeah. you mentioned, you know, Tesla and Elon Musk before. I think if you go back to the early days of, of Tesla, you know, routinely they were always on the verge of running out of cash. Yeah. And um, they were having trouble fundraising. And then they would bring an investor down, put them in the seat of a Tesla, and they would zoom off and the investor would come back and open their wallet and, and happily fund. Cargo bikes are, are, are not as fast, but they are really enjoyable to ride. Mm. Um, and... The, the best way to understand a cargo bike is to ride a cargo bike. And so you're asking about kind of what's the deployment speed here? It's 
it's it's hard to say when, but it's exponential. And so the more mm. you see Eves in a city, um, the more you experience either receiving a package from them or writing them then directly, or as a business owner, understanding how quickly they're operating, um, the, the faster there is adoption. And, and so that, that kind of exposure, I think, is going to accelerate this greatly. Nigel made a really good point before the show, which is that um, when you talk about innovation in the delivery space, people's minds often go to drones or autonomous vehicles. And um, those are exciting because they're very new and they're interesting to wrap your head around. And they're often, you know, VC backed and getting a lot of attention because it's an inherently technological breakthrough. Cargo bikes are interesting because it's a technology that we've had for a long time. The bike, very simple technology that's now being upgraded um, with a new technology we have, which is electric motors and batteries. And so I think a lot of people overlook this space because it doesn't have a you know, nuclear fusion reactor in the middle of it or some crazy technology associated with it. But it is actually a very novel application of, of existing technologies. It is. And, and, and okay, so, so it's kind of the slightly weird thing about it is that everybody expects technology to go forward. You know, there's a relentless pursuit of, of advancing technology. And you talk about drones and stuff. And, you know, we will rem- remember the... Was it Amazon that said we're going to do X many yeah. percent of deliveries was going yeah. to be done by drones? Mm-hmm. And, and everyone was going, well, hang on a second. You know, there, there are one or two bits of legislation that need to kind of be re- mm-hmm. you know, looked at before that happens. So, yeah, so the, and, and, and the, the bike, which is the reason why I hate the term e-cargo bike. I much prefer the term that you coined, which is you know, light electric vehicle, mm-hmm. which is much more interesting. But, it, you know, essentially that, yeah, we, we've, we've kind of regressed a bit, but it, it, it's not really regression. It's kind of – it's just – you can work out after a while that if you want to have, you know, if you want to reduce congestion, if you want to have improved air conditions, if you want to have towns and cities which are ever expanding. And somebody said to me the other day that I can't remember what it was, 2020, there was something like, you know, 20 mega cities in the world. Mm. And by 2030, they're going to be like 35, nearly 40 mega cities. That's cities with over 10 million inhabitants. You know, these are a lot of people that need to be supplied. They need to get their packages mm. from whoever it happens to be. They need to have their food delivered because we've all got used to that now, et cetera, et cetera. The only way really of doing that is to come up with with a solution which is, you know, which is lightweight, which is efficient, which is simple, which is easy to charge. You don't have to have a massive infrastructure in place, et cetera, et cetera. And e-cargo fits that brief incredibly well, mm. uh, even though it's not super technical and super clever from a, from a technology perspective. It actually weirdly is. It's yeah. just a combination of common sense and, and technology to come up with a solution which works incredibly well. Agreed. Fascinating. <laughs> it's absolutely <laughs> fascinating, isn't it? Once, once we get into e-cargo bikes in this level, talk for hours. and how it all joins up, and I think in future episodes that we'll be able to, to see those and summarise it up, and perhaps, Nigel, we can get you back in and, and we, can, we can talk about the future a little bit more. More than happy. There are um, half the things on this piece of paper we haven't touched on. You know, so and, there's a lot to be done. And I think we'll always come to that. Yeah. You know, we, I think I've got an understanding, which is good sat in this chair. Mm. I know about cargo bikes. To your point, I've ridden one for nine hours around London, mm. just, just trying to see where it goes, how it feels. And it's a great ride. Mm-hmm. It's a great ride. You know, we, we've worked with a number of manufacturers on that last mile delivery, as you know. So I, I, I sort of almost understand those. But for our listener, I think you've both given them a really good understanding of what is a cargo bike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's something that delivers, which is great. Uh, it sounds like we, we're on, a, on that exponential curve from a manufacturing point of view mm-hmm. and, and technology point of view, which brings us on to our next episode, which will be all about technology. Um, technology is in cargo bikes, but it's also in, in the total supply chain. So how all that comes together from a fleet management technology will be really, really interesting for us to go through. So really well. don't forget, subscribe, give us some questions, give us some feedback, and we'll look forward to seeing you next week. 